Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Spring Street Cigars opens a new store in Meridian, Mississippi. I have been there. Don't forget that uh, every store also has a cigar lounge where you can smoke a cigar, which I think is very important. So, Spring Street in Meridian, Starkville, Tupelo, Oxford, a couple in DeSoto County, and they're going to Jackson, Tennessee. That's a good thing. And uh, all unique, different. Oh, Kosciuszko. Forgot about Kosciuszko. Spring Street Cigars now open in Meridian, Mississippi. We are the Out of Bounds Show. We welcome in Tom Luganbill, National College Football Analyst with ESPN. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Lukes, how's your week going, man? It's going good, man. Uh, doing a little radio here and there. We've got college football live tomorrow and Thursday. So, uh, getting after it a little bit as we climb towards the, the start of the season on uh, what? Today's the first day of August, right? Yes, it is. It is. Uh, Ole Miss reports tomorrow and Mississippi State on Thursday. So, like you said, it's here. And, yep. um, in fact, a game that you called a couple of years ago, you called it uh, remote because of COVID, but Mass and Ridgeland Academy played somebody on ESPN. Um, anyway. Yeah, it was somebody up uh, in Tennessee, I think. Yes, Oakland, I think yeah. it was. Oakland's yeah. had yeah, some good players. Um, they're a hell of a program up there. And um, it, believe it or not, MRA plays next Thursday night. So that's crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, just right around the corner. What uh, ACC media days last week? Who do you have winning the ACC, Florida State or Clemson? I still give the nod to Clemson. I think Florida okay. State's really closed the gap. And and I understand why people are high on them. They're excited about the Seminoles. The job Mike Norvell has done with that team, and I use the term team because this that program was anything but a team, you know, prior to his arrival. And he somehow cleaned up the locker room and fixed some of the, I think, the intangible issues that they were lacking. Um, but I still don't think that they are at Clemson's level yet, top to bottom. And Clemson is going to be so loaded on defense. They got a premier player at running back. Uh, the, the young quarterback's really exciting. They're going to be as good as they've been in years in the offensive line. So until I see Florida State go out and just take the mantle away from Clemson, Going Clemson, although I can buy the Florida State hype, I think they're going to be really good. I think the over/under on Florida State is ten right now. Uh, Vegas has it. I would go over on that mm. because I do think that 
aside from Clemson's personnel and LSU's personnel, there's nobody they will play throughout the year that will be as talented as they are. Uh, all right. Do you, but how confident are you that Florida's, I know they beat them last year. It's a different deal this year. How confident are you that Florida State will make that a very, very competitive game all the way down to the end? With Clemson? No, with LSU to start off the season. Oh, with LSU? Um, well, I'll say this. Uh, it's going to be a different LSU team. And I think that uh, – I do think it's going to be competitive. I don't think that Florida State has LSU's talent top to bottom. Uh, but I, I think it will be a very closely fought contest because I think the quarterback at Florida State is really, really good. We've seen the offensive output from Mike Norvell's uh, teams – uh, throughout the years, it, it's tried and true. Um, that might be, guys. I mean, that, we could potentially look at, and I'm not saying that this would happen, but that's a college football playoff type of game. No, right? I agree. I mean, it, it is. It is that good, man for man across the board, and we're getting it in week one. And um, I would be stunned if that thing is a two touchdown win for either team either way. Okay. I can't wait. It's Sunday night, um, 6.30 here, 7.30 Eastern. Hey, have you been to the camping? You do a lot of stuff in Orlando, whether it's Under Armour, yeah. your calling game. I guess you have. Uh-huh. Uh, I, it's one of the few places I haven't been, and it's brand new. Have you been to the Camping World Stadium, Luke's? Well, Camping World Stadium is not brand new. There's a brand new MLS stadium there. Oh, and, okay. Um, but, yeah, Camping World is the old Citrus Bowl. It just has a title now. I thought so, they built yeah. a new one to host the college football playoff and national championship game eventually. All right, I was wrong. Well, maybe they have. I haven't seen it. It's not been played in yet. I know in the XFL last year they played in Camping World. Our Under Armour game has been there for the last 15 years. Um, and then I've done multiple uh, Citrus Bowls and the Cheez-It Bowls and all of those sorts of things uh, over the years. Is it dated? Yes, it's dated – the inside of it, if you're watching it on television, if you're looking at it, you would say it's not dated. Uh, the structure of it, though, is very dated. And um, probably, you know, given the things that are there, outside of needing, like, I guess you could say boxes and suites mm-hmm. to accommodate, like you would reference, a college football playoff game or, let's just say, a Garth Brooks concert, that's where it's really lacking. Mm-hmm. The capacity... What they've done on the inside, a new digital scoreboard on both sides, like they've done a really nice job with that. And then they do a lot of signage, kind of like putting lipstick on a pig. They do a lot of signage on the outside of it to mask some of what it looks like. Okay. Man, Florida State's got a brutal run. So they open up with LSU, and then in game four, it's for could be all the marbles. They play at Clemson. Yep. In September, Tom, that's more of a November yep. feel game to me, but it's that early in the season. Well, and you may see it again because that's the beauty of not that's having a good division, point. right? That's a good and point. that's that's what I think is great. And I think it was great for the Pac-12 last year. We saw it. We saw it play out. It ensures you get the best two teams. So you know, again, in years past, the winner, the loser of that game's out unless the other team totally screws it up. They can't get to the championship game. So I love this new format. And, you know, you bring up something that's really important. And I thought Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the ACC, hit on this, and he was right to do so. Admittedly, you know, he stated that 
our league has to play well in the non-conference games. Like Miami needs to beat Texas A&M. Florida State needs to beat LSU. Right. Right. You, you, you have to start taking care of business in those matchups if you want to be taken serious nationally. And he admitted that and was very forthcoming about it. And I totally agree with him. If you want to change the narrative, if you want to quote unquote compete with the best of the best, start winning those highly competitive matchups in the first couple of weeks of the season. And all of a sudden that'll start to change for you. I have to tell you about this game changing product I use before a night out with drinks. It's called Z biotics. Let's face it. After a night out with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. And I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day. And that is until I found Z-Biotics. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinks, I notice a difference the next day. Even after a night out, I can confidently plan on hosting this show and being awesome without worry. Look, I won't lie. I was a bit on the fence about Z-Biotics initially, but then while hanging out with friends over cocktails, I gave it a shot. And believe me, it is the real deal. Go to zbiotics.com slash OOB to get 15% off your first order when you use OOB at checkout. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash OOB and use the code OOB at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, well, then let's go there. Tom Luganville with ESPN on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. We'll hit it again the week of, but second week of the season, I mean, that is right out of the gate. A&M goes to Miami. Now, Cristobal, I mean, they went 5-7 and seven last year in a conference that's not that strong, and they're in the hot. They have, they have recruited around top 15, top 12 talent, and they're right, you know, they're right there around prospects and so on. And I know yep. Cristobal's charismatic and all that, but that's unacceptable to me. Do you think that my, of course, A&M went five and six. So here I go down this road. Sure. That's unacceptable too. So in week two, they both threw up all over themselves last year. Do you expect a yeah. super competitive game or do you have A&M, you know, get figuring it out and dom- how do you see that one? So A&M is going to have a better roster right now. Um, and, It'll be interesting because if they get Tyler Van Dyke back on track, which I think they've got a great opportunity to do because they're going to get back to doing more of a fast-paced, wide-open, spread-it-out format offensively, which is what Rhett Lashley did with Tyler Van Dyke when he kind of burst onto the scene. And then I think Miami really tried to stick a square peg into a round hole last year with him. And, and, and it didn't help him, and it didn't help the football team. If he's back on track and Bobby Petrino – um, is as advertised, and, and he's coaching the offense, and he, and he works some magic with the quarterbacks. While I think it will be a competitive game, competitive game early, I think Texas A&M is clearly, clearly the better overall football team and should win the game and pull away. 
Um, but again, everything I kind of stated there is a lot of ifs, right? And um, as there always is in a week one or a week two, you know, setup. Sure. But I just, uh, th- there are so many question marks that give intrigue to that game because, you know, you, you just, you don't know. I mean, look at what Miami did in this offseason. You talk about a complete overhaul of the staff. I mean, Mario uh, gutted that staff. Big time. Gutted. Well, he had too many, he had too, there were too many alphas in, in, yes. in the coaches lounge, Tom, and you've, you're a coach's son. You've coached and you've been around these guys. That doesn't work, Luke's. Yeah, as much as experience or as much experience as there was in that room, there were probably just too many chefs in the kitchen. Yes, right? and and um, and so you know he retooled that thing. So it's kind of like starting over. But now, when you do that, if you're Mario Cristobal, you also take on the responsibility of realizing that this is on me now. You know, when you're the head coach and and things aren't going well and you can make changes. Eventually, it all comes down to you, mm. right? There, there's not going to be any more, anybody else to point to. There's not going to be anybody else to blame, and, and it's not going to run downhill anymore. So I think Mario knows that. I know it's only year two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think they'll be on the right track. Defensively, they return 10 starters. They're going to they're gonna be really good on defense. The problem, too, in that matchup, and I know, it's, I know Texas A&M is the opponent, so it will be an above-average outing for a home game at Miami. But that's not a daunting environment. No, that's not going into College <laughs> Station. Yeah, so I mean, if you're if you're a And M, don't don't be surprised if close to half of that stadium is your own fans. Right. No, you're you're right. Um, you know, it's transient. It's not on campus. It's uh, too many things to do. They've been fighting that, and they haven't won in a long time. So they've been fighting right. all that. And now John Ruiz is in trouble. I I, I don't know where that's going. <laughs> Um, they're NIL benefactor, so we'll see what happens there. Here's what I think should have happened, and I know Cristobal is a former player, and that was the deal, yeah. and he had he had just enough um, success at Oregon. But if they Lane Kiffin wanted the job, and if they would have hired Lane, they would be so much further along because love him or not, he's he's a good head coach and an excellent offensive coordinator. And it would yeah. not take long for him to be boat racing the ACC, in my opinion, Tom. Not that he beat Clemson and Florida State every time, but he would be in the mix and in the game and in the arena, if you know where I'm going. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I think he would have been a really, really good fit, and it would have been attractive in recruiting, and especially now with the transfer portal era and, and all of that. But who's to say that Mario can't do the same thing? Maybe. Um, because, the one, yeah, the one thing that Mario does do is he is a tireless grinder and ferocious. If, yeah, if they don't have great players there, I'll be shocked. And if they do have great players and they're not winning, then it's all on coaching. I because they're going to have good players in that program. I couldn't agree. I could not agree with you more. While Lane is good at recruiting, Mario is ferocious. Lane is is what you want in the game today. In that he calls the side of the football that dictates everything because the you know the way the game's called and the rule changes. Yep. So you could I see where you're going. Um, you know I, I don't know if Shannon Dawson can. I just, but I think they well, could the be. Offense, the offense is tried and true. That scheme in college football works. True. And every quarterback that plays in it flourishes. True. What I'm curious to see, and I didn't mean to cut you off there, Bo is Mario Cristobal is a offensive line coach. 
He is a lineup and blow you off the ball. He wants a power run game. He wants physicality. How much of that are you willing to give up if you're going to spread it out? I think that's a great question because, you know, Dawson is that's a totally different deal as far as what he's done and where he came from, Southern Miss and Houston and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. But you know what? When Miami's good, it's kind of like Southern Cal. Because yeah. we, we, we know the SEC this College year. football's better. It is. Georgia, Bama, LSU, I know they're going to be good. And then we'll have another team or two that'll be fun. Um, but when Miami on the East Coast and Southern Cal on the West Coast are good, uh, and when they're really good, it just makes it does make college football better. Okay, I want to mm-hmm. switch gears with you. Um, speaking of offense, you played quarterback. We had Will Rogers on yesterday. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, he he man, he showed. I mean, I was impressed. I've interviewed thousands of people, and um, here he is, a fourth year starter under a new offense with Kevin Barbet coming out of App State and, and Central Michigan. He was under McElwain at Florida, as you know. Yep. I've been able to spend some time with Barbay, ate dinner with him. Neat guy, smart guy. But yeah, good dude. While this is totally different, there's still some of the air raid components as Will. You know, there there's a lot of meshing and mixing and gumbo, as you know, in the world of college football today. Um, I think Will's underrated. I think because he's not six three and all that, sure. it, it's easy to to not get excited about him. But they're going to take some pressure off of him. They're going to play a tight end. I think Tulu and Jaden Wally and Justin Robinson and and some of the other guys are the best. He agreed the best collection of wide receivers he's had since he's been there. I think this could be, even though the air raid was good for Will, I think this Barbet-driven offense could be good for Will. How do you see it? Well, I think anytime there's an emphasis on a healthy run game, it takes pressure off of any quarterback. And you're going to see the inside and outside zone or what they call the stretch. You're going to see an awful lot of that, which is the the wide zone. It's super prevalent in college football right now. Um, and I think it just gives you an opportunity to not allow people to play in the same thing and we've talked about this before. For all of the gifts uh, that the air raid is giving college football, uh, there are people that if you have better players that will just line up in a three-man front and dare you to run the football. And if you're stubborn and won't do it, then you're going to play with eight in coverage and you're going you're gonna to win the game. Uh, you're right. And so now I think with a little bit more of a diverse approach, you force teams to maybe have to load the box, Right maybe create a clearer picture in the passing game for the quarterback, um, especially if you have some success running the football. And, you know, I think, you know, under Dan Mullen there, you know, they were a spread team with a power run element. Yes, right? they were. And they were big and physical, and they ran the ball, and then all of a sudden the quarterback got a lot of more of a clear picture because he's got one-on-one opportunities on the outside. People are concerned with stopping the run and getting gashed. And if you don't stop the run, they're just going to keep running it at you. And I think, from a mindset perspective, I would be surprised if that's not, you know, what we see. And, you know, I, I called a couple of App State midweek games last year when Kevin uh, Barbet was, was, was at App, and it was, you know, they had a veteran quarterback. They had two really, really good running backs. We, all, we obviously saw what they did against Texas A&M. Yeah. If, you want, if you want to see what their run game is going to be, go watch App State versus Texas A&M. Stretch zone all day long. And so it can wear on you. Okay. T- 
you were a former Power Five QB. Will Rogers has played thirty four games. Uh, yeah. His freshman year was an all SEC schedule, which brutal. What, how valuable is that for Barbe, Tom? Oh, I think it's it's you probably can't put a, a price on it because you're not necessarily having to teach the game of football as you are with a young one. You're teaching the scheme and the approach and what we're going to do. Um, and the the quarterback has probably seen just about everything having that many starts. So he's going to be familiar with the theory of the game. If Kevin Barbet presents something in a meeting or they're doing install, um, more than likely uh, Will Rogers will be nodding his head up and down, right? Because mm-hmm. he's seen it, he's done it, um, he's recognized it. And, and so much, in, in my opinion, so much of, of the quarterback play, um, you know, in, in college football is, is identification post-snap and understanding leverage, understanding principles, how we're attacking, why we are attacking. That's why the game has become so much of a check-with-me RPO-based game because what these schools want to do and these teams want to do is they want to get out of a bad play and into a play that's more advantageous based off of what the defense is doing. Well, as a younger player, you may not know as much about what the defense is doing because you don't know as much about the game. Right. So I think you kind of get to skip that step with a guy like Will Rogers, not to say that you don't go in there and investigate as a coach. Hey, what does this guy know versus what he doesn't know? Like, I get that. Like, I'll give you a, a prime example. I was a quality control coach for the New York Giants after the XFL folded. And I'm working for Sean Payton during training camp, and it was the year they drafted Jesse Palmer. And Jesse was a fourth-round draft choice, and we are in a quarterback meeting. And it's me, Jesse Palmer, um, Kerry Collins, and uh, Jason Garrett. And Sean Payton's the offensive coordinator. This was the year after they lost to Baltimore in the Super Bowl. Wow. I mean, this is a a Super Bowl-type roster. And we are watching tape of nine-on-seven inside run drill. And what Sean's doing, he's going around the room, and he's saying, okay, here's the call. That's the front. What are we checking to? And it was over, under, two-to-one technique, or two-to-three technique, or vice versa, or what have you. We start talking all this verbiage sean looks over his shoulder and he looks at jesse and i'm not speaking out of turn here because jesse and i have had this conversation and 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 gone over this story many times since then because it was it was humorous not so much to him at the time but it's humorous now and sean looks at jesse and goes jesse got any questions bud because he can tell that his eyes are really big and to jesse's credit as a rookie quarterback who's probably embarrassed in a, in a room of, of those guys he says coach i have no idea what you're talking about wow and Sean goes, well, what, do you, what, what part, what do you mean? He goes, you're telling me about the one technique and the three technique. He goes, what? Because, you know, at the collegiate level, and Jesse's played for Steve Spurrier, right? And, and Jesse sits there and goes, coach, I came to the line of scrimmage, and it was, is the safety in the middle of the field or are there two safeties? And if I thought we were getting any type of blitz or this and that, I'd just do a, a, a quick screen out to Jacquez Green or Riddell Anthony or whoever it was. He goes, I didn't have to deal with protections and I didn't have to deal with fronts. He goes, I don't know. And this is a guy who got drafted in the fourth round. Wow. Right. And so you're sitting there going, how can that possibly be? 
And, you know, and it was at that time as a younger coach, and I had, I had kind of gotten involved in offensive line play a little bit because I had worked with some old offensive line coaches, and it interested me. And I remember a guy telling me one time, he goes, listen, everybody talks about coverage and all of this and that. If you don't understand pass protections as a quarterback, you're going to get yourself killed. Yeah. Because eventually there's going to be somebody that we can't account for that is your responsibility, meaning he's going to be unblocked, and you're going to know where he's coming from if you understand the protection, and it is going to be your responsibility to get the ball out of your hand. If you don't understand that part of it, you're going to get your head knocked off. And um, and that always stuck with me. So I always kind of, when I was coaching quarterback, I would teach it from the inside out. We'll get the coverage. We'll get to all of this and that. But you better understand how to protect yourself up front. That was, was good. It was a great lesson and a great story. And I think those are the types of things that Kevin Barbe is going to sit down with Will Rogers and they're going to talk about what does he know versus what does he not know. Right. And then you then you go from there. Okay, I want to continue this next week because Will talked about uh, getting the terminology down and he talked about how valuable the eight practices that they now allow in June. Um, yeah. And, and just how big a deal that was to spend more time with Barbe after spring practice that you didn't get to do in years sure. past. Luke's. Never, never, yeah. Uh, and, you never got to do that. And you know this, having played and coached, every time you're on the field is a good thing when you're installing something new. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, have a great week, buddy. Thank you, man. Oh, well, man. Thank Appreciate you, you working yeah. with us, too, on your schedule. Out oh, of yeah. Bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Lunch today brought to you by the, uh, let's go with the Catfish Reuben from Highball in Fondren. It's a beautiful bowling alley. Very cool, upscale, great place to bowl, bring some friends, throw a party, entertain clients or your employees. The food's amazing. The Soul Rolls is a fantastic appetizer. They have Patron Tequila, which makes them awesome. And they have the Catfish Reuben. And it is, speaking of National Sandwich Month, Jason, the Catfish Reuben at Highball in Fondren, Highball Lanes, is fantastic. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts. Search Out of Bounds with Bow Bounds. See you.